Judgment Studios. We know we're living in a crazy time when it seems like no one knows what's what. And that's why Allbirds measures the carbon footprint of all its products and lists it on every pair of shoes or socks and undies. Because Allbirds wants to make that footprint number something you understand so you have all the info you need to make a better purchase for the planet. In addition, in addition to all that, I just weren't for running around the lake because they're the most comfortable shoe I own. With Allbirds, you can feel confident knowing you're wearing a product that's doing right by your feet and the planet. Learn more about their sustainable practices and find your pair at Allbirds.com today. The Michelle Obama Podcast is out now on Spotify. The series brings listeners inside the former First Lady's most candid and personal conversations, showing us what's possible when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to open up, and to focus on what matters most. Joining the former First Lady is an array of special guests, including President Barack Obama, Marion and Craig Robinson, Conan O'Brien, Valerie Jarrett, Michelle Norris, and Dr. Sharon Malone. Episodes focus on the relationships that shape us from siblings and close friends to partners, parents, and mentors, to our relationship with ourselves and our health. Listen free at Spotify.com slash Michelle Obama. Okay, so my father, he told me early on, see, boy, your little white friends, they think life is fun and games. Uh-huh, but not you. This ain't a game. Understand your life is war. And to fight this war, you have first to train your mind to see the possibilities. You always have to be two steps ahead. But Pops, he had my attention and he pulls out a chessboard. The only way to win this contest is to stay that two steps ahead of your opponent, to make them compete on your field, not the other way around. So I started playing this ancient game, this game of kings, of emperors, slowly. First, I learned to lose. I hate to lose, but I really hate to lose quickly. So I learned to spot my father's traps. Then I learned to anticipate his next move. And finally, I attempt to peer over the horizon. I try to see two moves ahead. The queen, the knight, the bishop, even the pawn, they all make sense to me. I can anticipate where they might go, what the ramifications and repercussions of their dance might be. Then I go to school, and I play chess against my friend Matt. I have trained to beat him by thinking two moves ahead. But instead, 
of me whipping him. Matt whips me. I stare at the remainder of my army, my king bent in defeat, and I ask them, how? How did you do that? And he tells me that he always tries to think three moves ahead. So I try again. Three moves ahead, I will think four. And sometimes I can beat Matt. And I go about my life Occasionally playing this game, reminding myself to think ahead. And two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I had the insomnia. Three in the morning, I leave. I walk to go get a donut because I'm insane and I never have been to the donut shop at three in the morning. Colonial Donuts at Lakeshore Avenue in Oakland. And there's a line, yo. A line, crazy. Bunch of rough-looking characters. Leather, big fellas, scowling. It takes me a moment to realize what they're scowling at. Not at me. At chessboards. Half a dozen set up in the donut shop at three in the morning. But these, they have the timers. And you have to make your move in just a few seconds. And this guy, he sees me looking. He motions towards the board and he says, 20 bucks. And I'll take that bet. Because what this clown doesn't know is I think four moves ahead. He wipes the board with me. How'd you do that? Man. You're up in your head. You're trying to think too much. You have to see the board. Look at the board. We play again. Look at the board. And he beats me again. But for a moment, for a brief nanosecond, I do see it. The board itself. I see the power. I see the fault lines. I see the weaknesses. And I see it. And today, on Snap Judgment, perhaps... You will see it too. Today, on Snap Judgment, we proudly present Gambit. Amazing stories from real people. My name is Glenn Washington. If you're going to eat donuts at 3 in the morning, play chess while you're doing so. When you're listening. To snap judgment. Snap. Now then, there's a word for songs that won't leave your head. Songs like Old Town Road and Umbrella, The Summer 69. Songs you can't help but find yourself humming from time to time. They're called earworms. For a lot of musicians, this is the goal. Create an earworm. You will have musical immortality. And today, producer John Fasile, he brings us a story of a musician who wrote a song so catchy, so irresistible, so happy, that it took over the world. Every artist's dream, right? Sure. And so this gift to humanity, it's twisted into something that he never imagined. Snap Judgment. Now, this story does contain explicit language. Sensitive listeners are advised. 
Uh, first of all, I was 36 years old, which is old, you know? When you're 18 and you want to be a rock star, like, you're not thinking about yourself when you're 36. It's 2012, and Jim Bianco is driving back from a 10-day meditation retreat in New York. It sounds corny, but I highly recommend it to anyone. It was during the meditation retreat that I realized that I was at the end of an arc and I wanted to start a new arc. Jim is a professional singer-songwriter, but music is no longer paying the bills, so he decides to propose to his girlfriend and settle down. And while he's driving, hand on the wheel, feeling peaceful and content about his choice, a melody works its way into his head. You know, you're a songwriter. Songs come to you sometimes. This song showed up as sort of a jazz song. And it was in my head. I was driving, and I didn't have any instruments, so I was just thinking of it. One easy street, and it feels so sweet. And the world is but a treat when you're on easy street. Obviously, the song just captures, like, you've got no problems anymore. The rest of your life is set. You've got nothing to worry about forever. We all know that's not true, but the concept of that was just so lovely. We're on easy street. Yeah, and it feels so sweet. It felt like I was in an optimistic part of my life, and the song reflected that. I did not know or could never conceive that this song could go to a place that was so dark. Jim first records a pop version of the song. It's bright and catchy and features singer Petra Hayden. But he doesn't release it. I ended up just kind of shelving the song. He gives this version of the song to a licensing company, and it just sits on their hard drive. And I leave it there. Over the course of the next couple years, my new wife and I move to Nashville, Tennessee. We get pregnant, and I start flipping houses. Rehabbing old homes and selling them. Then, four years later, he gets a call. The Walking Dead wanted to use my song, Easy Street, in one of their episodes. The Walking Dead, a show about a zombie apocalypse and the terrible things that human beings do to each other afterward. Also, one of the highest rated TV shows of all time. Yes, I thought it was weird that that violent, crazy show would use a happy, goofy song like mine but I did not imagine what the use would be. Even though, to be fair, it was totally detailed in the deal that they sent me, I just literally didn't read it. The episode airs just two days before the 2016 election. In it, one of the main characters, Daryl, has been captured by an authoritarian group. It was in like a torture chamber, you know, it was locked in the dark. And they were playing this song, my song, the super happy chipper song. Over and over, it was a montage over days. And they played my song nine times in a row for what turns out to be 35 million people. That fucking song again? Walking Dead fans post their reactions on YouTube. This is actually so messed up. Oh my God, dude, shut this fucking song up. It's driving me fucking crazy. 
I didn't take it as a negative thing, to be honest with you. I thought it was funny. You know what? Easy Street can fuck off. I was in Nashville with a hammer in my hand, demoing walls and doing radio interviews all over the country. And they all wanted me to hate it. Wow, they're using your song to torture someone because it's so happy and annoying. I remember one guy asking me, what's it like to write the most hated song in America? And my snarky reply was, it can't be that hated, it's number six on iTunes right now. Easy Street trends on Twitter. It hits number one on the Spotify viral chart. YouTube is flooded with covers, a piano version, an acapella version, a hair metal version, multiple ukulele versions. I was receiving videos from all over the world. Specifically, I remember this, like, mom, maybe even a grandma, I don't know, some woman in her 50s singing. Easy Street, oh yeah! That, to me, was a moment where I was like, this has gotten out of my control. This is no longer up to me, whatever happens with the song. Not all of the videos are fun like this. Two young men lock themselves in tiny rooms and listen to the song for 10 hours straight. I went through hell, dude. I'm gonna cry right now. My God, that's miserable. Um, please leave a like, share um, this video, get it around. Please make, please have not made, I can't even talk. But things don't get really out of control until almost two years later. Flash forward. Thanks to Easy Street, Jim is able to give up flipping houses. He and his family move to Los Angeles, where he gets work writing songs for film and TV. That's my life now. That's my second act. Then, someone sends him a tweet from an account belonging to Occupy Ice PDX, an activist group in Portland, Oregon. For about 11 days now, protesters have camped at the entrance to the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Facility at Portland's South Waterfront. You can still see this encampment and many tents that are still up here this morning. There was a video in the tweet, and it said, ICE has been playing children's music at us for the last 12 hours. I'm wondering why, why somebody pointed me to this tweet. And I click on the video. In the video, Jim can see a line of tents next to a nondescript building with a high metal fence. And they're playing Easy Street. Over and over and over again. In the summer of 2018, protesters set up camp outside ICE headquarters in Portland. They were there to protest the separation of families at the border, and there were about 100 tents. It was quite an operation. We had a medicinal herb garden, vegetables, sunflowers because sun melts ice. One day, Department of Homeland Security officers set up big gray speakers behind their high metal fence. So it's late morning or early afternoon when I first hear the opening notes of the song, Easy Street. And the song is blasting. It's loud to the point that I can feel the vibration. And I'm thinking, this won't be good for the flowers. All I can think is like, is... Is this us? Are, are we playing music? Some of the protesters started dancing along. It seems very playful. It seems like this very 
just sort of fun, lighthearted, playful, bouncy, we're on easy street, dancey type of song. Because the world is but a treat when you're on easy street. It doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like anything insidious. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like anything Mm -hmm. that could be used to torment people. It just seems very lighthearted. It only got bad when it just kept looping. (laughs) Remember, this is exactly how the song was used on The Walking Dead. Playing music on repeat like this is a military tactic that has been used to torture prisoners at Guantanamo Bay. And here it was being deployed against nonviolent protesters on public land in the middle of Portland. At first, it didn't seem to work. I thought it was really funny. That's what I thought. It it was just really ridiculous. We never forgot the families at the border. Playing this cute little song over and over and over and over again is nothing compared to what they are doing to people where we can't see. It's 12.40 a.m. The officers are blaring this song since 2 p.m. As we were trying to fall asleep, it got a lot more annoying. This is, you know, where taxpayer money is going. Things start getting fuzzy. Things start getting fuzzy because the music just keeps playing and it just won't stop. I don't know what it is about the notes or the melody, but it kind of worms its way into your brain. It becomes mind-numbing. You can't really get clear thoughts established after a while. There were definitely some people having panic attacks. Just people that, you know, coming up crying, like that they they couldn't sleep. I hear someone say, shut the fuck up, screaming at the speaker. I just start feeling ill after a while of just listening to it over and over. And I remember just needing to leave. I had to leave that day. I couldn't take it. When the music stopped and the sound of silence was so deafening, it was almost as blaring as when it started. To this day, when I hear that song, at the end, I hear that deafening silence. The song was played for at least 10 hours. The protesters in Portland were also tackled and shot with pepper balls, which are like paintballs but full of pepper spray. Officers propped up cardboard cutouts of human figures in the windows of the ice building, Home Alone style. They also posted snipers on their roof and blasted the camp with spotlights, and they played Metallica and Ice Ice Baby and the sounds of dogs barking over their speakers. So look, I'm working on this story that deals with the use of a particular song. A government spokesperson uh, said that the use of Easy Street had been unintentional. Is that the -the on-the-record answer? Mm Mm-hmm. That officers outside the building had simply been listening to that song on repeat for that long. My song was used in a malicious way to hurt people. As an artist, you hope to create things that affect people's lives. And this is not what I imagined when I thought that I would be an artist creating things. Jim sent a cease and desist to the Department of Homeland Security to get them to stop playing Easy Street. A few weeks later, he got a letter back 
Thank you for your letter of July 27th, 2018. Without acknowledgement or admission of copyright infringement, we can confirm that DHS will not reproduce distribute or publicly perform Easy Street. Should you have any remaining concerns about this matter, please do not hesitate to contact me. So on and so forth. We're saying that we did it and we won't do it again. That's what they're saying. After 38 days, Portland police broke up the camp. There was a rally afterwards and a few of the protesters decided to make Easy Street their anthem. Someone was driving with a truck open to the back, filled with speakers, and one of the songs that they were playing was Easy Street. I'm gonna give you some advice. It's time to melt the ice. Someday they'll pay the price when we all take the and of course, it wasn't long before the protesters recorded their own version of Easy Street, featuring rewritten lyrics, and a horn section, and a bagpipe. Easy Street is a real place now. Well, kind of. One of the protesters renamed the bike path outside ICE headquarters on Google Maps. I went on Google Maps and held down and it said like rename road so i just kept renaming it to easy street but then last october as a few protesters were leaving a courthouse in downtown portland something else happened a car drove by a silver mustang the mustang slowed down someone inside was playing easy street and turned it up and looked at us and smiled. One of the people that I was with who had been brutally arrested, thrown to the ground. When they heard that music playing, it was just too much for them. They kind of started to crumble and they started to cry. It's kind of fucked up because that happened in 2018. That was pretty lightweight stuff compared to what's happening now. You know, like, I wish that was our biggest problem right now. What are you doing? Use your words. What are you doing? Just two years after they blasted Easy Street at the Occupy Ice Camp, a van pulled up in downtown Portland. What is going on? Who are you? Federal officers in military gear pulled a protester inside and drove off. How are we supposed to know who you are? Now they're going out into the streets and hunting people. This is a whole different ballgame. Then there are more vans and tear gas and broken bones. Federal officers shot a man in the head with an impact weapon causing severe injuries while he was holding a boombox. But this is not a zombie TV show. 
Easy Street is still there on Google Maps, but as far as we know, officers have not used the song against activists since we first ran this story. More information at our site, snapjudgment.org. That story was produced by John Fasile and scored by Renzo Gorio. Big thanks to Joe Civic and Dina Pritchett. End of the battle. Snap us, but never the war. And if you missed even a moment, or you want more amazing storytelling, including live performances by Snap Judgment's Queen of Comedy, Jim Colbert, or the Storyteller of the Year, Don Mead, well, get you to the Snap Judgment podcast. And it's never been more important because we, here at Snap, we have this crazy belief that it is hard. It is difficult, not almost impossible to hate someone if you know their story. Snap Judgment was brought to you by the team that never locks anyone in cages. Take a bow if you would. Uber producer, Mr. Mark Ristich. Patmosini Miller, Anna Sussman, John Facile, Renzo Gorio, Liz Mack, Shayna Sheely. And overhead, on the flying trapeze, Taylor Decott, Nancy Lopez, Flo Wiley, Mika Singh, Leon Wimoto, Marissa Dodge, and Lauren Newsom. And even though this is not the news, no way is this the news. In fact, you could wake up on the wrong side of the bed one day, start a fight with a skinny, tiny, shy kid in the corner, and get knocked out with a lightning uppercut for your troubles. And you would still, still not be as far away from the news as this is. But this is PR.